Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. My guest today is Lisa Corbier, the head of the Secretariat for the Joint SDG Fund in the United Nations. The fund promotes partnerships between governments, corporate organizations and family charitable funds. It also implements innovative financing projects and development of strategies to advance the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Lisa Kerbiel has over 20 years of experience in international development and human rights. She has developed and implemented the policy and communication initiative to combat sexual abuse and exploitation, human trafficking and child labor, affecting women and children in conflict areas around the world. Welcome, Lisa. And thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. Great to have you with me today's Transformers program. Today we are going to talk about money with meaning and how to de-risk investment that drive financing solution to accelerate achievement of the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. Can you tell the listener about the Joint SDG Fund, Lisa? Absolutely, Kai. And again, thank you so much and, and wonderful to be with you. The Joint SDG Fund was created by the United Nations General Assembly. So all of the governments of the world recognized that to reach the SDGs, we need to blend public and private financing to really meet and, and overcome the SDG financing gap. The goal for our fund was set at 290 million US per year to really be able to, to de-risk and to fund innovative SDG projects ranging from public health and um, maternal childcare to green or, or blue bonds and other investments, all to basically enable achievement of the SDGs. So far, um, we are capitalized to 300 million US dollars, and we're trying now to attract more and more of the venture capitalists and the venture philanthropists to, to join us. So uh, do you see big challenges to reach your goals? I think um, the pandemic um, and now obviously the, the impacts globally from the Ukraine crisis are certainly challenges to capitalize any fund that has a development perspective. When so many emergencies are facing um, our global community, um, there is a need to obviously respond to those first. Our, our fund is very much meant to be development, which means the nuts and bolts of what will allow us all to live in prosperity, in, in good health care, with, with best educations in a, in a safe climate. So we are very much a longer term fund that does need visionaries. Visionaries look beyond the emergency and they look beyond the immediate. And I think the challenge is for us to work with those that, that have that longer vision. The fund's work is to create partnership and find new collaboration models. Uh, how do you reach out to, to create partnership with the private investors? Well, first and foremost, we, we appreciate the public donors who make the fund possible. The government of Sweden, by the way, is one of our top, top donors and partners. Um, which has made the fund possible. The European Union, the government of Spain, 
Um, the government of Norway and others are also very active partners in the fund. We first and foremost rely on them to help us partner with those they already are endorsing and working with. So as you probably know, development banks um, and sovereign wealth funds are already a huge piece of the development puzzle. And we are actively looking for them to join us along with the international financial institutions, the World Bank, the IMF, um, and the, the other multilateral uh, banks, the African Development Bank, for example. Um, and then from there, it's really identifying champions in the financing sector. That could be asset managers, that could be pension funds who have already identified themselves as being committed to fighting climate change, to the SDGs um, and to ESG standards. Who are the, the new investors in this field? Mm -hmm. where, do you, where do you find them? So I think um, what's exciting is a whole new um, perspective being taken on by both multinationals, but also some of the more boutique firms that I think the pandemic really brought to light, right? We had this global reckoning with the impacts of not focusing on sustainable development. And since then, there has been a tremendous growth in, in both impact investing but also in looking for carbon credits in, in the race to really go green. Um, and obviously for the transition from, from you know, fossil fuels to, to renewables. So we are really following and, and being a part of that wave. We wanna take investors perhaps beyond the traditional sectors um, and really take Wall Street, Silicon Valley um, and the other leaders in the finance world to emerging markets and, and developing countries. Can you give some example how this type of partnership model can be working? How, how can it be done if you have different types mm -hmm. of, of uh, investors? So I have a great example from Fiji. So one of the first projects that we launched with the government of Fiji was for a coral reef fund hosted by the government um, and through a special purpose vehicle, start to de-risk small and medium enterprises in Fiji to help not only protect, but also sustain the coral reef. So for example, we as the UN have put in the first $10 million together with the Global Coral Reef Fund. And then other private philanthropists have also crowded in funding two to $3 million at a time. And now we've taken this out to more investors who are venture capitalists who see a modest return, a single digit return, but a tremendous impact in the sense that by funding a fertilizer company in Suva that is now using only organic materials, the runoff of the fertilizer into the ocean is no longer toxic. It's no longer damaging to the reef. By investing and allowing loans to small and medium enterprise fishing companies, the fishing companies now have bigger boats with better engines to go further off land and they're not fishing literally over the reef. And they're also now looking at waste management on the island because plastics, as we know, are very, very lethal to the fish and to the coral itself. So by allowing more and more recycling of, of waste, we can also help protect the reef. So the, the, the layering of the investments often need that initial first loss investor. And that's what we as the joint fund offer. We offer that first up to 10 million. Our largest ticket is 10 million. And we offer that first five to 10 million, depending on the project, 
to do the feasibility, to help with the structuring, to, to engage all the, the partners, and then to try to then socialize it through podcasts like yours, by the way, Kai, right? To try to let investors know there are up and coming deal flows available that are vetted by the UN and already de you, you have many, many actors that are essential to for success and they're looking at it from very different perspectives. I think our greatest challenge is the private equity space, the, you know, the traditional um, even pension fund that has a, a requirement to its clients to receive a certain return. Those are commitments that are often you know, legally documented. So what we have to do is, is find the missing middle. So if a pension fund requires a double digit return or a private equity firm, can we use philanthropy and foundation money, public money to help lower the risk, but also raise the return so that the two funding streams can meet. And that's really where we're trying to prove that the UN has a role to play because of our boots on the ground, because we're present in these countries, because we know the dynamics and we're working with the government that's structuring this right behind the scenes, we can help try to basically make the deal attractive to each type of investor at their level, because we can't change the level that they need. That's established already. But we know that there's growing interest in, in investing in green energy, in, in solar, in wind, in renewables, in hydrogen. So how do we then become the, the link? That's what we're trying to do. It's a work in progress, Kai. I won't pretend we, we, we don't have a silver bullet. We're going at the moment project by project to really try to unpack the silver linings of, of how this works together. And our goal is in 2022 to, to bring some of these projects over the line to close, capitalize, and then have good examples to, to move forward. How much uh, do you think uh, the issue of governance uh, is uh, involved in this development? Is the structure of governance well developed for this type of investment? Yeah, this is certainly where, where we partner with the experts. Um, and there are boutique firms more and more that are working in this space of blended finance. Um, Convergence Blended Finance um, is one that's an offshoot of the Canadian and the, the British governments that is now a boutique firm that, that gives a lot of quality assurance and due diligence to us as the UN. And then there are firms that will actually do the special purpose vehicle in country. So for example, Bamboo Capital is an example of a partner that has already established various impact funds for the United Nations and now is our lead in Malawi, where we have the first impact fund for sustainable agriculture. So I think part of this uh, ecosystem requires us to identify the right partners who have the right skill set, And then we, we start to educate and socialize because it is new and, and blended finance doesn't necessarily have the same returns as some would like. So how do we, again, continue to educate and, and tell the story? But that means also that you need to have a perspective of innovation in the, in the process that uh, you may not uh, do uh, in the business as usual. Uh, maybe also think out of the box and, and have a system approach to the development. There is no uh, guidebook to, to how to take a least developed country, right? Which has never had an impact fund and how to actually get that capitalized and, and replicated. So we are experimenting. The good news is none of the projects within the joint SDG fund 
are starting from scratch. They're building on solid foundations laid by the United Nations agencies, funds, and programs that have been working and already identifying the, the best opportunities, the best venues, and the best partners. So for example, in Fiji, we are building on years of the UN Capital Development Fund being in Suva, working with these entrepreneurs, seeing opportunities, recognizing the reef is a huge part of their gross domestic product because tourism is often for the scuba industry. So connecting you know, scuba to the GDP and then trying to find ways to sustain diving means you're protecting the reef as your resource. Um, in Malawi, agriculture has been the, the lifeline of the country for decades, but it hasn't been able to tip over. There's been no tipping point for the subsistence farmers. It's been very much still sort of stuck in poverty for those at the end of the line, so to speak, right? The actual farmers. So by de-risking them to take on loans, by helping them access the supply chain, getting their goods further out to further markets, we now see that sweet potatoes from Malawi could actually have a, a second, third, and fourth life. And that really does trickle right back down to the farmer and his or her family, which is our goal, right? Our goal is always to be remembering the most vulnerable. That is the mandate of the UN. So we have to match what Wall Street wants, what, what investors want, but never, ever at the cost of, of reaching those that are being left behind. Are you missing some pieces in the strategy? I think what's most always desirable for, for those of us inside the UN who, who understand development and have a view of how to help the farmer, how to help the mother of five children, how to help the, the midwife in rural Rwanda who's running a clinic but has no electricity or medicines, et cetera, is to understand the criteria by which investors can unlock those billions and trillions of investment dollars. I believe there are keys. I think there's a set of keys that open certain doors and you have to really begin to you know, know one another, build a, a partnership of trust, and then the doors can begin to open to what could we do to really de-risk this enough to have Wall Street come to Gigali. And that's really the connection we're trying to make. And it will take some time uh, obviously, there are many venture capitalists on the continent of Africa and elsewhere in the world, but to really go to scale, which is what we want at the UN, you know, to get the billion dollar investments to go onto the continent, we do need to merge more. And I think that's the great challenge is that we are in different lanes and we don't often overlap. So we have to start forcing or, or seeking opportunities to merge. Um, and that's what we do every day. We really welcome any company that will, will you know, engage with us and be very candid about what they need. And if they're moving into SDG bonds, SDG bonds for what, right? Um, and, and making those kind of synergies. Sustainable Development Goals are defined in 17 different topics and uh, in which areas are it's easy is it easy to get interest from the investors i i i wouldn't uh i wouldn't be honest if i didn't say climate is definitely a top priority i think 
the demand for, for going green, the demand to show that your company, your investments, even your retail clients are being given an opportunity to invest in green energy. That's definitely a priority. But I'm also really thrilled to see the way those looking at technology, those looking at digital connectivity are also seeing the impacts of the health sector for the connection to the grid, right? Because if you're in the health sector, you need the connectivity. So maybe there's a digital company that wants to be more involved in health. So we've been able to see quite exciting synergies um, across different SDGs. Um, women's empowerment is one that obviously we, we always want to integrate into our programs. Um, population, which could be reproductive health, also healthcare is also another interesting one. So I would say climate and the green and the blue are probably the most popular, but more and more there's a desire to go into the less common SDGs, which is interesting because it shows you that there's already a space understood Green bonds are no longer a mystery. They're, they're quite common now. Many of the top asset firms of the world do green bonds. Um, SDG bonds are becoming more popular. So our goal is to just make all of this more common so that it's easier for decision makers inside our pension funds to say, yes, yes, we can make an allocation and we can choose that, that instrument to, to, as part of our portfolio. Is it any area that you would like to see more capital into in the when you look at the 17 different topics? Well, I mean, I think, you know, healthcare, education, um, those are often the ones education. I mean, you're, you know, we're not necessarily promoting the privatization of education. So how does one capitalize education? You often have to go through maybe digital connectivity because if the school now is on the grid, it has access to more materials and the students can learn more. So I think education is sometimes one that needs to be, you know, almost um, divided up or, or connected to other SDGs. Um, healthcare, broadly speaking, I mean, we, we don't necessarily want to privatize all healthcare, but what we want to do is empower the reach and the scope and definitely the reach to communities. Um, you know, again, the focus of SDGs always has to be on those being left behind, those furthest away from that clinic you know, those on that dusty five mile road walk to the nearest nurse's station um, or school. Um, so it's really trying to lift up that level. The smaller actors, uh, the SMEs and, and entrepreneurs, do they have a role to play in the work you are doing? Absolutely. Um, in fact, in all of our projects, the, the special purpose vehicle or the, the actual fund is reliant on the SMEs and the NGOs from the local community to, to make it work. I mean, that's, that is the, the, the sort of the blood of the whole system has to be rooted in the actual activities and then the returns of those small and medium enterprises. In Malawi, it's those subsistence farmers who are actually bringing their goods to market and earning a return. And in Fiji, it's the fertilizer company and the scuba company that is now earning returns. In Rwanda, it's the midwife who is now de-risked to lease her clinic and who eventually will be able to own the clinic, hire other staff, and become a local entrepreneur and, and you know, leader in the health community. So 
they're all rooted, absolutely. That's, that's why you know they're UN-led, right? They go right down to the local community. And the only way to locate those, those midwives are through the local NGOs, right? The local NGOs know those women by name who know every child they've delivered over the last decade. Just like in Malawi, they know every farming community and, and local school. And that's how you really lift up um, and really try to accelerate. Again, the purpose of this fund is not to earn returns for our pension funds. The purpose of this fund is to accelerate to the SDGs, right? So you accelerate when you go to those furthest away from the goal and you bring them up, right? We bring them up to join us. So how do they found you and the work you are doing? How could you advise uh, uh, an SME or to, to get involved in the development mm -hmm. of project? Well, we, we operate through uh, the UN system on the ground in country. So the resident coordinators are the senior most colleague. They're the representative of Secretary General Gutierrez. And he or she then has a UN country team. So members of the UN system participate. So if, if you're a local SME in the agricultural sector, you would have a natural link to FAO, Food and Agricultural Organization. If you were an NGO working on children's health, you would have a natural connection to UNICEF, which is focused on, on children and their, and their well-being. So I think at any community level, you could be looking either for the, the UN representatives or the, the, the task team. Often there's these focus groups, communities of practice that form around common issues. And then it's a matter of saying, how could this enterprise be a, uh, a nucleus of, of energy for SDG acceleration? Well, we could bring in women into leadership. We could empower young people. We could be training the next generation to take on more and more of this issue, whether it be healthcare, education, what have you. And through that, hopefully you're bringing in local government, you're starting to bring it out at local level, and then you try to see if you can pilot and then scale. And ideally, the UN is there then to identify and to bring you in. The fund is coming in vertically from the top. We're a vertical fund that's bringing money into the country from global level. So the idea is to then have the local team at country level connect the dots and, and help identify the, the experts. Let's talk a little bit about leadership and, and uh, you have over 20 years of experience from work in international development and human rights. Many of uh, the listeners are young and would like to go into this field. What sort of experience and which are the advice you would like to give to the young people to be a leader and change maker based on your experience? You know, um... The world is yours. Uh, there are no limits other than those you put on yourself. Um, it is going to take all stakeholders to solve the problems that we humans have created on our own planet. So we have to work together. So there is no demonizing one over the other. I, I, I and I'm giving my age away, but I grew up in a, in a sort of mindset where it was either good or bad, right? It was either, you know, UN or multinational suggesting that one was all good and one was all bad. That is not the world we're in. We need private equity as much as we need the uh, hydrogen, you know, renewable company, as much as we need the politicians to do the policy, 
and the taxpayers to help make it all move. So I think, you know, follow your passion, find your piece of that puzzle, and then lean in and find your piece of it, because it's going to take all of us to really move forward. I've been lucky that, you know, I, I, I am American. I grew up with the sense that a good idea should be able to, to grow and move. And then I had the privilege of spending over 20 years of my career in Eastern and Southern Africa, where I saw a good idea on every single corner, but there was no funding. Um, I saw, you know, clinics that were, were literally delivering babies daily that didn't have medicine or electricity. And now I have the best job in the world because my job is to take those stories and those clinics that are still there and literally put them in front of Wall Street decision makers and say, how can we connect the dots? There must be a way. And if we can make it so that their investment dollars can change that world, which by the way, we can now see in real time, there is no not seeing it anymore. You know, you, you can't pretend it doesn't exist. We, we, we see that poverty. And it reaches us through pandemics. It reaches us through global crises that we're facing right now. So let's join together. Let's admit that we are one human race and we have to work together. And, and I think it's in, it's in our hands, Kai, as much as it is in theirs, right? Let's bridge the generations as well. Yes, we're older, but maybe we have something to offer. So work with us and we pass the ball to you when you're ready and, and, and Godspeed. What do you think is the necessary skills to be a successful leader? Oh, goodness. I mean, you know, admitting what you don't know is so important. Ugh, never pretending that you have all the answers and asking so many questions and, and really not presuming anything about the partner in front of you and really looking to be a, a solution. So whoever comes to you, you're trying to help solve their problem, right? You're trying to help them on their journey for their problem, as you hope that they can help you on yours. I think that's what true leaders do. They give a vision and they then encourage everybody to move. And I'm, I'm, I'm working for incredible leaders. I mean, uh, Deputy Secretary General Mina Mohammed is, is one of the best I've, I've ever worked for. And she has a vision for these sustainable development goals. And she says, no business as usual, there's no time. So be innovative and make, make the impossible possible. So if every one of us listening today, Kai said, I'm going to make the impossible possible, it would, it would generate energy, right? And then we could share that energy and, and take it forward. To be brave? Have to be. It's, it's terrifying. Our future right now is terrifying. To be honest, our present right now is terrifying. So we have to be very brave and we have to be true to our values. We have to remember that human rights are ultimately the mandate to us all. And we shouldn't have to go through more and more suffering in the world to, to understand that, right? I, I, the world has learned so many lessons. Let's hope we can stop relearning them. And let's hope that we can start putting, you know, our own sustainability for all as a priority. This year, it is 50 years since the first UN environmental conference was organized in Stockholm. 50 years and still, the challenges are still there. Poverty, climate challenges has been on the agenda all these years. 
why is it so difficult to change and transform our society? You know, Kai, it's a great question. I don't think I have a, a great answer, but um, I'm committed to change um, in my own way, in my own world. You know, we, if we all do our part, I think we have to, you know, be responsible citizens um, in, in how we, we educate ourselves, how we educate our communities, and we have to keep, keep our eyes on the truth and on the solutions, right? And that's the challenge, right? Is that now with, with the way technology is moving, the world is moving faster, but we're not always moving in the right direction, right? Because technology can also take us in different directions. So I think trying to really understand the best way forward for all, um, and, and I hate to say that greed often gets in the way, so we have to really overcome that um, and seek to be more sustainable for, for everyone. There is always, you know, change is always scary for anyone. So when, when the change makers are in front of us, there could be a hesitancy to follow. So I think the way you build trust and the way you become more ready for change is, is through education and by making these conversations common. So, you know, in, in many ways, um, my generation has seen tremendous strides in women's empowerment, tremendous strides in the Me Too movement. There's been a huge groundswell, um, even in the last few years, about things that were not spoken of only 10 years ago, only 15 years ago. So we have to, if we're looking ahead to, to 2030 and beyond, we have to imagine what we will not accept anymore in 10, 15 years and start it now. So the, 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 the change maker has to be, what do you accept now or not? What do you reject, right? And some people will say, I, I reject fossil fuels now, I reject. Others will say, I'm on a transition, right? So there will always be the early adopters. There will always be those leaders and we, we salute them for pushing us forward. And then I think our role can be to bring others along on that journey um, and recognize that not everyone's at the same starting point. Um, you know, going net zero is not the same journey for everyone or every country or every government. It is a journey depending on where you've started. So I think that also has to be equalized because we don't want finger pointing. Finger pointing and blaming never really helps. So how do we start to really work together? We have COP26, we have COP27 coming up. There are targets to be met. How can we unpack those practically and, and move forward? What is your advice to the Stockholm Plus 50 conference in June? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we, we might not have reached as far as we wanted at COP26. Um, I think we might have learned a lot of why. We also had this tremendous groundswell of engagement beyond governments, right? And we're seeing civil society getting engaged. We're seeing young people. So we have to tap that energy. That is a power. Um, and I think there could be a lot done with that. So how do we start to, I mean, I think, you know, we were speaking about Greta uh, earlier today, you know, how do we really get those leaders to, to channel energy in the right way? Um, because I think many of your listeners want to be a part of the change. They might just not know how, and, and not everyone is in a, you know, a role, a day-to-day -day job that might be a part of it. So we have to make it easier for people, make it easier for them to vote for what they want, to purchase what they want, to influence their supply chain in a positive way. 
And I think more and more uh, global companies are seeing that. They're responding because we're demanding it. So if we demand a hydrogen car, if we want to demand you know, that our, our food reaches to us from, from farm to table, then the suppliers will start to listen. So maybe it's about finding that, that connection, again, to the community, which could be the global community in this case. Well, Lisa, it was very nice to have you as a guest in the Transformers program. And uh, thank you very much for the talk today. And uh, we'll follow your work in the UN to create more capital for change. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kai. What a pleasure. Such an honor to, to speak with you. Thank you so much. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.